Thank you for beautiful worship this morning. Turn your Bibles to the Acts of the Apostles. We'll begin in chapter 1 in just a moment. Then we'll move to our focus text in Acts chapter 2. Beginning again. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Today is Pentecost Sunday, which on the church calendar celebrates the birth of the church, the beginning of the community of Christ. Today, churches all over the world celebrate what happened at Pentecost when the Spirit of God blew in like a mighty rushing wind with blazing fire. Pentecost, you can tell, has at its root the number 50, meaning the 50th day after Passover. As a harvest celebration, Pentecost was the gathering together of the first fruits and the giving of them to God. Following the events here in Acts chapter 2, it also came to symbolize the harvest of the church as we experience the long-awaited arrival of the Holy Spirit, the very birth of the people of God. On this day, 3,000 repent at Pentecost and call Jesus Lord. Luke wrote both the gospel and the Acts of the Apostle. They're really something like two different volumes of one book or two different chapters of a single book. Following the crucifixion of the Christ in the Gospel of Luke, the downcast disciples are together at the end of the Gospel. But suddenly, Jesus stands in their midst. Why do you doubt? Why are your hearts unsure? Come and feel my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me. I'm not a spirit. I have flesh and bones. And as they were marveling at the resurrected Messiah, he said to them, can you give me something to eat? Showing them he's not just a spirit, but he's had a bodily resurrection. He eats broad fish. And following that banquet of fish, Jesus turns to the Old Testament and he walks them through the prophets and he shows them that it was necessary that the anointed one that the Jewish Messiah would be crucified and should rise from the dead on the third day. And then he spoke of repentance and forgiveness of sin, not just for the Jews, but for all nations. And finally, the last words in Luke. As that book comes to a close, stay in the city until you're empowered from on high. You stay in Jerusalem, and you wait. God is going to do a mighty thing. And then he ascends at the end of the Gospel of Luke, and they return to the temple, and they are continually praising God. Like any good sequel or series, when we start the Acts of the Apostles, it rewinds the action just a bit. Turn to Acts chapter 1. In verse 4, and gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, 
but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said you heard of from me. For John baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Don't leave Jerusalem. You stay here. You're going to be baptized with the power of God's own Spirit. The group is 120, we're told, in verse 14 of chapter 1. It's the 12. It's the women who follow Jesus. He tells us who's in the group. It's the mother. It's the brothers of Jesus. There are other disciples besides the 12, all gathered together, numbering 120. And today, on Pentecost Sunday, we celebrate the arrival of the Spirit and the birth of the community of Christ, the community in which the Spirit of Christ dwells. Five words today. The first word is together. Together. Look at chapter 2 there in verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. When the day of Pentecost comes, they are all together in one place. The church of Jesus Christ had at its very beginning, its birthday, the gathering together of the people of God. They were all together in one place. Now, I, I know it's best for many of you to continue to worship from home, TV, or, or live stream for the next few weeks or maybe even months. I realize there are a lot more people watching by television and live stream than are gathered in this first Sunday as we gather together. But eventually, and ultimately, in all ways and everywhere, the church is a gathered people of God. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. Today, we gather once again in one place. Precautions in place, it's different, but we are together. I recently read a work that explored the history of Amarillo and more specifically the history of First Baptist Church of Amarillo. I didn't know this, I bet you didn't either. And during the research for the piece, it was discovered that as the architects were designing this very room that we're gathered again in this morning, that as they were drawing the plans for this very room that we inhabit this morning, I quote the work, a smallpox epidemic swept through Amarillo in the early months of 1927. The church minutes from our own church in our own basement read at that time, there were no public gatherings of any public nature in the city. Therefore, no church services or conferences were held in the months of January and February. I had no idea. I wondered if this church, this people called First Baptist, had ever faced anything like this before. As this very room was being built and designed, they had to halt the planning for two months because no one in the city of Amarillo could get together because of an epidemic. 
that was sweeping the city. The birth of this very room was put on pause because the church could not gather together for eight weeks. This time it's been 10 weeks. But pauses for pandemics put forth no new problems for the pioneers the people called First Baptist Church of Amarillo. And on that day of Pentecost, they were all gathered together in one place. Today, Pentecost again. We begin anew, gathered in one place. I wonder, back in 1927, when they were permitted to worship again, after that epidemic almost 100 years ago, did it feel like the room feels this morning? Were they so glad to be gathered again? Like the early disciples all gathered together in one place? Were their hearts heaving with gratitude? Were their eyes moist with tears of joy? When God's people gather, mighty things happen. Together is the first word. The second word is tongues. Look at verses 2 through 4 of chapter 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. On that day, to all peoples in every language, the church was empowered to speak the message of the Messiah. Jesus is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. He is Israel's rightful Lord. And those who respond with repentance and receive the Holy Spirit become part of the community of faith, part of the church. There was no culture that day gathered that could not hear the message the gospel, the word of God. Every tribe heard the apostles preaching in their own language. Yes, it's true in Amarillo. It's true at First Baptist Church. It was true on that Pentecost, that first birth of the church. There are many languages, but there's only one message. There are many tongues, but there's only one gospel there's only one story of a virgin birth, a perfect life, a sacrificial life, a sacrificial death, a glorious bodily resurrection. As Jesus asked them, why do you doubt? I am not a spirit. I am flesh and bones. There may be many languages on that day and on this day, but there's only one message 
Acts 2 is something of a reversal of the Tower of Babel of the Old Testament. At Babel, God scattered them. He multiplied their languages. He tangled their tongues so they could not communicate with each other. And they had to scatter from Babel because they were seeking the very glory that belonged to God. And in Acts chapter 2, it is Babel in reverse. He lets them all hear in a unified language. Whatever their language, they hear and they understand the good news of the Christ. Everyone hearing the message in his own tongue. Tongues. Here's a third word. Translated. Verses 5 through 8 of chapter 2. Translated. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem. Devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, why, why are not all of these who speak Galileans? How is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Look at verse 9 and following. The Medes are there. The Elamites are there. Skip down a bit. The Cappadocians are there. Those from Phrygia are there. Those from Pamphylia are there. Those from Cyrene are there. Some are there from Rome. There are others, Cretans and Arabs. There are so many nations listed there. And everyone is hearing the message of the Messiah in his or her own language. As if the apostles, and perhaps they were, preaching in that language. Is this a miracle of language? Is this a miracle of hearing? We can't be sure. It's presented both ways. Speaking or hearing, it doesn't matter. They all hear it as if God is speaking to them. The intent of God has always been in all places, everywhere, that people from every nation and every tribe would repent of their sins and find their forgiveness in the crucifixion of God's Son, that they would declare His glorious resurrection, and in that repentance they would be ready for the return of the Christ. That has always been God's intent on that first Pentecost, that first gathering of the church, that first birth when 3,000 said yes to Jesus on that one day and were baptized. God's intent is for men to repent and call Jesus Lord. Today is Pentecost. It is the beginning of the church and today after a long wait for First Baptist Amarillo is the beginning of church again 120 gathered when they started at one place we don't know if they started in somebody's house or they were in the upper room but all of a sudden, they finally make their way to the temple courts where thousands could both hear and heed the gospel. Because it was Pentecost, the Jews were required to come during the festival time, and, and many did. And so the city was full of people from so many different places. And God waited until this opportune time at Pentecost when in one place gathered together, there would be people from many different places, and they could all hear the preaching of the kingdom 
each in his own language. I love Luke's expression. Look back at, at verse 1. For the day having arrived, my translation says, says Pentecost had come. The waiting period was complete. Look, look at 1-4. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. At the end of the Gospel of Luke, the same word, wait, wait, wait. Sometimes the waiting time is the hardest time of all. For many of you, not gathering in this room has been almost unbearable. Not because God isn't everywhere, but because God is especially here among his gathered people. Unbearable not because God isn't everywhere, but because God is especially here among his gathered people people. This is a sacred space for us. Within these walls, worshiping with these people, your brothers and sisters in Christ, it has returned. And they were all gathered together in one place. Here we bless our babies. Here we celebrate the weddings of our children. Here we bury our brothers. They were all gathered in one place. And the wind rushes in as they gather. Wind and fire. Wind and fire, both symbols that God is here. God is present. Think about the fire at Mount Sinai when Moses receives the law. Think about the pillar of fire that read led Israel in the evening. Think about the prophet when he's in the place of worship and the presence of God and smoke fills the house of worship. Or Elijah's ascension in 2 Kings 2, we have them both together, fire and wind, perhaps a fitting allusion to the departure of Jesus, fire and wind together. God is present in the wind and in the fire. The next word is take away, verse 12. Take away. And they continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does all this mean? What does all of this that we are experiencing mean? What does it mean for the church to be gathered in one place and receive the Spirit, for the fiery word of God to be reclaimed like a mighty rushing wind? What does all of this mean? The response was divided. The response is always divided when the gospel is preached. 
Paul experienced the same thing when he would go and preach. Some would believe and some would become even hostile to the hope of the gospel. When Jesus worked a miracle, there were those who who believed and there were those who chose not to believe. Everyone is not ready for God to intervene, are they? Some cry out for repentance. Oh, forgive us. What do we need to do? And others say, these men are drunk with wine. And Peter stands in verse 14 and the midst of the confusion, standing with the other 11 disciples and declares, these men are not drunk as you suppose. And he gives them the gospel. In verse 17, and it shall be in the last days, God says, The prophets had spoken of the last days. They had spoken of the day of the Lord. The early Christians in Thessalonians and 2 Peter had spoken of the day of the Lord, or in 1 and 2 Corinthians, the day of the Lord Jesus, or in Philippians, the day of the Christ, or in Luke 17, the day of the Son of Man. These are the last days, Peter proclaims. That means it's the day of the Messiah. The day of hope of Christ has come. On this day, God has poured forth his spirit on all humankind. And look at your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On Pentecost, at the birth of the church, they began to have visions and dreams. They saw signs and they witnessed the wonders of God. First Baptist family, we cannot go back to business as usual. You remember before the coronavirus, we came into this room taking for granted that it would always be thus, a privilege we had forgotten. May this pandemic reignite our passion for Christ and for being gathered with his people to be the church. May indeed the young men among us and the young women among us see visions. And may our sons, both our sons and daughters prophesy. And yes, may the old men at First Baptist Church dream new dreams. New dreams for God and new dreams for this place and new dreams for our own commitment to the Christ. These are the last days, Peter said. And then he preaches the gospel. It goes something like this. The age of fulfillment, the word of the prophets has been fulfilled. It has all happened through the death and the resurrection of the one who's called Jesus, who is now exalted to the right hand of the Father. And the Holy Spirit is a sign among you that the church has received power. And we wait for the complete consummation when the Christ returns. Until then, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be forgiven. The last word is transformation. Having preached the gospel saying that Jesus' death and resurrection, that God was at work. Look at verse 32. God raised him up again, and we are witnesses. He did not decay, verse 31. He is exalted to the right hand of God, verse 33. And having preached about the message of the resurrected Jesus, look how they respond in verse 37. 
And when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what do we need to do? And Peter said to them, repent, let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look down in verse 41. So then those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Skip back to verse 21. Peter says right in the middle of his message, it shall be that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Transformation. The gospel is preached and it divides the room. Some are ready to receive the word of hope, the message of the Messiah, and others will reject it and say that it's folly, just like they did on that first Pentecost, on that first gathering together of the people of God. But on that day, there were 3,000 who said yes to Jesus and were baptized. After the 1918 influenza epidemic, an African-American pastor by the name of Grimke stood in his pulpit upon the reopening of the 15th Street Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C., and the beginning again for his church, he said, what is the meaning of it all if we come and we go and we're no wiser for it? Surely God had a purpose in it. It is our duty to find out what God's purpose is in it and to try to learn from it. I would say three things quickly. First of all, we've learned we're not in control and we can take nothing for granted. That no matter the plans of mice and men, we saw and we still see the kings, the queens, the presidents, and the prime ministers cannot control the coronavirus. No matter how superior our science, no matter how advanced our modern medicine, an invisible enemy utterly changed our lives overnight. All of a sudden, we were powerless again. All of a sudden, we were creation, and only God was and is creator. We are dependent, and he is absolutely sovereign. We are feckless and yet he is faithful and forms our future the first thing we learned is we are not God only God is God second thing we see we've learned the sacredness of sanctuary and the comfort of community adjoining like that very first day of the church all being together again in one place. May we never, ever, ever take what you're doing right now in this place for granted. Thirdly, some of us need to repent to proclaim Jesus as Lord. Perhaps God has derailed your life. Perhaps you're ready to hear the message the Messiah. We need to declare that God is God. Jesus is his son. And we are both to repent and to be baptized. 
in his name. In the coming months and years ahead, may we as a people dream new dreams. May we have new visions. And as we begin again, may we too, look at verse 11, may we too tell of the mighty acts of God. May we have Pentecost all over again. Just by chance that Pentecost is the day we reopen or able to reopen, I don't think so. Beginning again, the birth today for us, the rebirth of the people called First Baptist. I was glad, really glad, when they said unto me, we can go to the house of the Lord. I will never hear those words the same again. Let us pray. Oh God, what a powerful day in this place, gathering together again in your house, hearing the singing of hymns amongst your people, the preaching of your word, the declaration that God is good and Jesus has died, the tomb is empty, see the right hand of God, he's coming back for his church. As individuals, oh God, as families, O oh God, and as a family, the, the Church of First Baptist, O oh God, we recommit ourselves to being the church, to being the bearers of hope to all people like that first day of church, all people everywhere in every language. And in his name we pray. Amen.